Yeah. Hey, there he is. What's going on? Not much, man. How you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. You're looking fresh, okay? Digging the stash. Oh. And the Thank you so much. So, how you been holding up? It's been good, man. Honestly, keeping pretty busy. Haven't had the chance to get super bored yet, so waiting for that to settle in in the coming weeks. But past few weeks have been all right. How about you? Hey, you know, I'm all right. I've been doing this mainly for the past couple weeks, just getting this up and going and chatting with everyone and seeing how everyone's holding up. So that, that's been keeping me busy and haven't lost my mind yet. So That's cool. That's good. Probably, probably just going to keep doing this for the next while and see what, see what happens. Nice, man. That's awesome. Anyway, so welcome to the seventh episode of A Chat with Matt. Today I am joined by Jordan of Marwales. Jordan, thanks for taking the time to join me today. Thanks for having me. You were one of the first bands that I thought about having on when I started this because your story is so fascinating with just the come up and just your involvement as an indie band and also just like how far you've gone. So it's just you're like one of the pinnacles of indie bands that I really want to talk to on this podcast. That's kind of you to say, man. Thank you. Of course. So why don't you just start by giving a, qu- a very quick summary of Monowale, like from the beginning to now kind of thing. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's a band that I guess launched officially in like the fall of 2017. We, we've been playing shows together since before then. Just like started probably in like 2013, 2014 is when we got together to like start playing music, but we didn't like really launch a project properly until take it back came out like the first single off the the ep and um yeah it's four piece indie rock band drums synth uh guitar and vocals just fucking i don't know i don't know what else to say (laughs) that's the basics at least yeah pretty pretty simple summary absolutely so you guys have definitely have had a lot of uh highs in the career, definitely a lot more highs than a lot of other bands I've seen. So what's the one for you specifically, like what's one career highlight that's so far that's kind of stuck with you? Like, wow, we're actually making some pretty heavy waves here. To be honest, it's really only started settling in more recently that I've started feeling like, okay, we're, we're finally starting to make a proper impact. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like the pessimist of the group though. Like I'm always the guy being like, I'm not cool with where we're at. Like I need more than that. Yeah, but hitting hitting number two at alt rock with this latest single that was like a huge milestone for me. That's something that you know usually like we'll kind of set a goal, and we've been lucky enough to reach most of the goals we've we've attempted to uh, to get. Um, and then by the time we get there, I'm always like that took too long. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> fuck this goal. It's like on to the next goal or whatever. But hitting number two was the kind of thing where, like, our our goal, I guess, for this single was crack top 20. Mm-hmm. So when it got to number two, that had surpassed our expectations to such a degree that we were just like, holy fuck, like, I can't even, I can't even be a dickhead about this. I just have to be stoked, you know? <laughs> well, well, and that's the thing. You you guys were just, you, you've never been signed to a label. It's kind of unheard of, especially with how the charting system works. The fact that, well, the majors have such control over charting and over radio play and over all that kind of stuff. The fact that you guys, being an unsigned band, able to hit number two on the alt-rock chart, it, it's unheard of. It, it blew, is it, that has to be a record. Is it a record? It, it is technically a record. On, on, yeah, on the media-based charts to hit number two, that's just never happened before for, like, an unsigned band. Cool. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I, I guess this goes to show the labels maybe don't have as much as much sway as we thought they did once upon a time. Yeah, it it kind of shook up my whole uh, perception about all of it as well. We'll get to more into indie band stuff later. So, but what's the? Uh, we'll talk about live for a second. What's the mm. one live show that sticks out for you? I understand you're the pessimist. I'm the same fucking way. But uh, so what's that one live show where you're like, where it's kind of that similar feeling of wow, we we're starting to make a bit of an impact here. I the last show in Toronto, like the Horseshoe in Toronto in November, mm-hmm. was was really encouraging. That was like one of the first times I've seen people, seen members of the audience sing the lyrics to like every song in the set, or at least the songs that have already been released because we were playing some new shit too. But yeah. um, that one was like it was weird because we were coming back off this like we we went out west, we toured out west, we recorded out there. And I was starting to feel like really disconnected with Toronto just because we were gone for a couple months and it was, you know, starting to feel a little strange. So I was just like, shit, is anyone going to come to this? Like, I'm not, it's not like I'm used to where, you know, we're touring Ontario, but we're in town and I'm seeing people and I'm like, hey, come by the show, you know, and everyone's like, fuck yeah, I'll be there. And like kind of builds you up and you're like, this is going to be great. But when you're way out of touch and like the promotion's just kind of happening somewhere over there, you know? I was kind of like, is, is anyone showing up? So to see the room like rammed, to see people singing all the songs, that was really like cementing it for me. It's like, okay, we've kind of like arrived, at least in our hometown, we've really arrived. And I can feel, you know, I feel like we have something to build on here. Yeah, especially with being a Toronto, having Toronto as a hometown can either be a blessing or a curse, depending mm. on how you set yourselves up. And you guys, you guys have set yourself up as you've made it you've made it above the fold you made you've made enough noise to be like hey we're one of those standout bands in toronto mm-hmm. which is a very tough thing to do especially it is i'm sure you know <laughs> so who's that one band sticking with live who's that one band that you guys really want to go for sports i know you have a great agency team behind you over at apa um who's that one like could be in the same agency as you could be different agency like what's that one band that's like if we hit this then it's like that's in, ter- in terms of like being able to like emulate them or just being able to tour with somebody or... uh, to tour with them play a show with them um yeah honestly like every time people ask me stuff like this even when people are like what are you listening to i'm just like i don't fucking know like i can't think of the names of any goddamn bands <laughs> like as far as like touring with somebody like we we did a little pre-show at bud stage for back and like seeing mm-hmm. that live show, I was just like, holy shit, man. If like we can go out with Beck or with like Cage the Elephant or someone like that, that would be like pinnacle awesomeness. You know what I mean? And that's oh, more yeah. like, you know, Beck's more of a worldwide recognized act. And mm-hmm. then there's like the Canadian acts that like, like we opened for Sloan um, in December. And those guys mm-hmm. were just like Canadian mainstays. And that was awesome to just see like, you know, these dudes that are like older now, but still killing it live. Like, there's just, like, a bunch of amazing bands around. Like, I would love to I would love to get to do some stuff with that from above. That would be a big one for me. Even I can just... definitely see you guys doing things with all of those bands, especially Sloan. I saw some of the footage from the Sloan show, and it oh, yeah. looked really awesome. Yeah, it was a good time. So you mentioned uh, you guys recorded stuff while you're out west. So mm-hmm. what's new with you guys? So is there a plan for new music anytime soon, obviously, with – everything going on shows are kind of at a bit of a standstill but what's uh, what's going on with you guys now right now like we do have a we have a record in the bag basically it's it's kind of done um 
we were going to drop a new single, excuse me, we were going to drop a new single in June, but it's not looking likely right now because <laughs> we want to be able to do it right. We want to be able to make a video and all that shit. We just can't get together to do it. So that's mm -hmm. delaying some of our plans. Now we're looking more like late, late summer, early fall for a new single off, off this, off this record. So we're, yeah. we're kind of considering like really want to let you down was the first single off a record. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a second single. Uh, but in the meantime, we cooked up just before everything shut down, like literally like a couple weeks before we, we went to, uh, I don't know if you know Palace Sound. You know Palace Sound? No. That studio? Fucking awesome studio. Mm -hmm. Would recommend very highly. Great, great spot. And we just banged out a, an acoustic version of Really Want to Let You Down, like all in one day. Nice. Um, just hung out there for like six, seven hours, just played all the fucking shit. And then we were going to go do vocals, but then all the shit went down. So I just like left a mic outside Sally's door and she recorded all the vocals in quarantine, sent them over. We shot it off to Darren McGill to mix and we're waiting on a master. So that's going to be out probably like second week of May. Okay. And I'm, I'm so stoked soon. on that. Yeah, that's, that's coming soon. Like I'm really stoked on that. It's, it's, not, it's not like we, we really had this vision for that where it's like, I just don't want to go do like a Shang-Lang, like strum an acoustic guitar and sing on it kind of acoustic. We, like we changed the harmony. We made a proper arrangement of the song. So it sort yeah. of like lives on its own as a version. And we'll have mm -hmm. a little remix package for Really Want to Let You Down too. There are a few people cooking up remixes. So that'll drop um, to kind of tie people over until the next single is ready to come out. Well, at least you're creating content for people to listen to while we're waiting for new stuff. So yeah, you got to do something, man. You got to do something. So that kind of leads into the next question, which is like, how has the outbreak really affected you guys and the plans for the rest of the year? Like, obviously, you mentioned the single dropping next or dropping in June, but now you're kind of delaying it. Like, how much has this affected? Like, how, does this get in the way of any touring plans? Does this get in the way of like the full album cycle? Like, what, what talk me through it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's pushed everything by a good six months. Like, everything's moved. It killed off our whole... We had festivals lined up in the summer. Those are... Some have canceled. Others were just sort of, you know, we're like, it's kind of just a matter of time. Like, we'll play them. Mm -hmm. But, like, if they're there. But I, we just don't expect that shit to be happening, you know? We're, we're kind of... Even just... I feel like it's optimistic, but we're operating as though we'll be back out touring in the fall. I'm hoping that might happen. And if it doesn't, we'll just keep rescheduling shit until it does happen. Yeah. But we kind of have to do something, right? So move, move all our shit from now to the fall. If, if word comes in that that's not cool, we'll just move it all to the spring and, you know, just, just keep waiting it out. So yeah, the album cycle sort of been moved tourings, you know, on hold for now. The, the bright side though, is that we've had, because we've been so busy, we did that tour in, in last fall um, that just, it just took a long time because by the time we started doing like the Eastern stuff, like the Ontario and Quebec stuff, we were doing like three days on four days off kind of thing. Like we were doing yeah. weekends. So it stretched that out all the way into December. We had a few gigs around Christmas and then like January was like finishing up mixes for the record. And then we started searching for management. So we've never been like, I've been managing the group since day one, but we were just sort of like, we're reaching a critical mass on management. So we need to offload this to someone we trust. Yep. So we opened up like a million conversations with potential managers and just started shopping the project around. And so like sort of the blessing in disguise with this is it sort of killed off all those other distractions. And we just got to focus on finding the right person. 
mm-hmm. which we did just like a week and a half ago. We signed with somebody. Oh, and, oh wonderful. Yeah. I didn't know. Congrats. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, so we were working with Andrew Turner at Enlightened Management now. Really good dude, really smart guy. Um, so we've been very busy just integrating him into the business because that, you know, right. going from me being the person kind of talking to the team and doing all the big picture stuff to, you know, giving him an understanding of where we're coming from, the history, all that stuff, the relationships that we have in place. It's been, it's been a lot of work just getting him up to speed. But I'm hoping that once we make that investment in time, it'll, it'll take enough away from me that I can get back to the shit I should be doing, which is just like writing and being yeah. a good drummer Focus. and shit, you know? Focusing on the art. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you got the time to transition them. I got <laughs> Yeah, man, that's what I'm saying. It's great. It's actually great. But... So you mentioned for the longest time you were managing the band. You, got, you guys were your own independent ship, pushing on ahead, making a lot of big waves. So the main thing I want to talk to you about today is that, like you just signed with management. That's wonderful. I'm very happy for you guys. Uh, it's because you guys are one of those bands where it's like, I can't believe they don't have fucking management. Every time I see them, like how the fuck are these guys not further ahead? Like the system's so tight. It seems it's mm. amazing to watch from that type of perspective. So I just want to talk to you about a few different things regarding being an indie band that's hit that landmark of number two on a chart. So first thing I kind of want to talk about is the methods to gain the traction initially. So like, you don't need to disclose all your hidden secrets, but kind of just like the general, like a general understanding of what did you see as successful to gain that traction that helped to get you guys to start moving up the ladder? First of all, yeah, I mean, I, I have no secrets. I'm, I'm the person who says too much usually. And then other people are like, we well, shut the fuck up. Like, why are you telling everybody everything? But honestly, <laughs> Like, it's it's kind of a reaction that I have to the sort of, like, tight-lipped, sort of, like, everyone's operating in secret. Like, that seems to be the attitude a lot of people have, and it really bugs me because oh, there's no real benefit to it unless you're actively trying to screw someone else over. If you're trying to screw someone over, sure, be secretive and, you know, play everything close to the chest. And obviously, there's certain things, like, yeah, maybe you don't want to be, like, shouting from the rooftops how much money you make or whatever. Like, you, you can mm-hmm. have privacy, but there's certain things that that are just like best practices or just like sort of certain things to just understand about how the industry functions that people just don't like to say. And you kind of have to figure it out on your own or win people's trust so they share that with you. And I, I just kind of think that's bullshit. But um, basically, yeah, like when so so the way this band. Here are the broad strokes of like how this band got to where we are now because i think that's basically what you're asking is like yeah. what what were the things that happened like what are the events that sort of allowed it to happen mm-hmm. to this point it was basically like developing the project under a different name for a few years learning how to record like that was a big one for us at the very beginning it's like zach and i are like really 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 into production mm-hmm. and it it helped us a lot because we weren't as reliant on producers to sort of define what the sound of the band is. We can kind of sort of, we're able to conceptualize a sound for ourselves on our own and then find producers that would help make that happen. So there was a lot of experimenting. There's a bunch of shit in the back catalog that just like, I don't think it sounds great, but it was just learning, you know? Mm -hmm. And then also just playing live a lot, again, like really local shit until we kind of cut our teeth and knew, knew what was up. You got to play your hundred shows or whatever. And, then yeah. finally you you know you don't look like an amateur anymore so 
making that time investment is really important, I feel. And then like we took, so the next kind of step was realizing and then accessing all of this grant funding that we have. Grants are like huge. We have received a lot of grants and it's helped us do everything. Like Factor has been extremely supportive. Um, we've received grants from SOCAN Foundation, from Ontario Arts Council, from Amplify BC. It's just like, in terms of putting it in the context of advice, I guess it would be learn how to write your own grants because it's really not that hard. And if you apply yourself to it and if you write them from the perspective of the grant organization as, a, as opposed to the perspective of I think my music is cool, then you're really likely to get them. But what mm -hmm. I notice is that like buddies of mine or like people who I see who are writing these grants, they're writing it like just being like, please, I'm really good. I'm really good at music. Please give me the money. And the grant organization doesn't want to hear that. They want, they want to be able to assume the music's good and you should send them good music. But you should write the grant being like, I'm really responsible with money. I'm not mm -hmm. going to piss this all away. I'm going to invest it correctly and stimulate the Canadian economy, like the music industry in Canada. Because that's what, that's what they're there for. But people yeah. don't make that connection a lot. They think they're, they're just really nice people who give money to people if they're good at music. And it's like, that's kind of true, I guess, but not really. So yeah, the next step was grants. So we just got, a, got the funding we needed to do shit properly. And then we started writing music with, with this sort of perspective of we are going to put a song on the radio. So mm -hmm. that was kind of a conscious choice. And I don't think it, it didn't like affect the art in a way where it was like really contrived or anything. Cause I don't think the music comes off as like, here's some bland shit we made for radio, but it was in the backs of our minds. Like we want to, we want one of these songs to go to radio and that ended up being take it back. We found the right person to work it with the right radio promoter to do the job. Got to number 25 and things just kind of kept rolling from there. So, okay. Yeah. So and it was long, more long grants, more tours, whatever. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So with the, with the grants specifically, I think that's something definitely you've nailed on the head. It's the perception of what young bands think the grant system is, which is this is a very nice person that's going to give me money if I ask them nicely. Mm -hmm. but, but you are right. It's that approach of, hey, I'm not going to just piss this away. I'm going to invest it correctly. This is, this is my plan. The biggest thing is they want to know what you're doing with it because they don't just want to be like, okay, we're putting $2,000 in the studio. Okay, who's it with? What are you doing? When are you doing it? Like, what are you recording there? It's, it's the material and the understanding for them to be like, okay, so we can actually trust this person. And I imagine mm -hmm. that your grants are probably like, on this day, at this time, at this minute, at this second, we will be doing this. Like, I feel like your grants are very meticulous, which is a great thing. So sure. then what's the, so moving on that from that, what, what are something that you see besides the grants? Cause that's a huge thing. What are other bands that you're seeing that you feel like, oh, you guys should be further ahead, but you're not taking advantage of certain things. Is the grants the main thing or do you think there's more to that? It's, it's just like, and this is sort of what I was talking about before with like people not, not being as honest or as transparent as they could be. Usually what's lacking is just an understanding of how the industry actually functions. Like mm -hmm. as you grow as a band, you're sort of opening these doors to understanding like, oh, okay, like that's where this revenue stream 
comes from and these are sort of the people who control it like if like if we want to just keep it as simple as live music it's like okay there's not a long list of agencies that exist in canada it's a very mm -hmm. short list so that was like one of the first steps for me was like just learning who's on the list oh shit okay there's really like four of them you know what i mean like four like major players kind of you could say um and and like just just understanding that oh, okay the reason my you know shitty local band isn't getting festival dates i want isn't necessarily because um my music's bad or my image is bad or something although i mean honestly it probably is like there's you gotta work on that shit too but it's also understanding that a lot of those slots are going to the agencies first and the bands on those agencies are going to be prioritized mm -hmm. and there are people whose job it is to work the relationships with those talent buyers and those talent buyers don't know who you are. They know who those agents are. So there's like part, partly it's understanding that there's like sort of a path of least resistance in terms of how the money flows through the industry. So talent buyers not going to go scour the internet for your band camp link. They're just going to go to an agency and say like, who do you got for me? I, got, I have these slots to fill, you know? So like even just, even just understanding like most, well, I feel like a lot of bands don't even know that that's happening. It's that, yeah, it's that understanding of how the, the live circuit works, which is, you said it best, agency bands will always get the priority. Yeah. And that's not, that's not necessarily a bad thing, because it is the jobs of the Feldmans and the APAs and all else to curate those relationships and to groom them and to make them like, oh, the time has come, I'm going to stick a shit ton of Feldman bands on the Rolling Stones uh fucking festival like that mm -hmm. that's what it's meant for and you're absolutely right which is the perception of learning how the industry flows and that's why i wanted to do this show because this is exactly what i wanted just someone to be like hey this is fucking bullshit you shouldn't be hiding behind this let's talk about what it actually is totally and, and i'm glad that you that someone's saying it and i'm glad <laughs> <laughs> i'm very glad that it's you so something something else that you guys are very good with is engagement with your audience in both a digital and a, a live aspect. So how, how important do you think it is now to engage with an audience online? But also, second question with that, what do you think is more powerful now, a live engagement online or a live engagement or an online engagement? I would say, I think nothing beats like in-person connections with people. Like those are the things people really take away and remember. But like, I think the online stuff just gives you sort of like, um, I guess a kind of like sample size version of that that's totally free and available all the time. Mm -hmm. And like, I think, yeah, it's incredibly important to engage with your audience online because they're there for you. Like they, they want access to you in some way because your music affected them. And if you don't like, I don't really understand the purpose of being in a band if you're willing to sacrifice the connection with your audience because like what are you doing here then like those are the people like you're making music you're expressing something in order to have an impact on people and then when those people are coming back and trying to like connect with you if you're just like fuck you that's that's really not cool you know what I mean? it's like those people are the reason you get to do this so you should be thankful and you should be interacting with them and we're really blessed that sally really like just love social media so like i love the connection but i don't like the platform necessarily you know so i'm just not on it as much 
Mm -hmm. I know it's there and I know I can get to it, but like Sally's always there and she loves like connecting with people. So that frees me up a little bit to go do my like more manager businessy things. And it's not because mm -hmm. I don't want to be there talking to the people. It's just like, you can't do everything. Those people don't need every member of the band being like, you're fucking sick. I love you. You know what I mean? Like Sally doing it. It's like, also, to be honest, they don't want to hear from the drummer all the time either. Sorry, Los Cabos <laughs> drumsticks. Who's in here right now? Drummers get the short end of the stick, you know. Uh, um, and shout out to Los Cabos for uh, commenting and showing some love. <laughs> yeah, man. I love those guys. Best sticks. Best sticks. Best Canadian company. But yeah, dude. So... I would say it's incredibly important, but a lot of bands fall flat on that, usually because they're just like, you know, dudes who like playing guitar in their basement or whatever. They don't want to go out there and, you know, grab that yeah. attention. Like, the, I remember the first time I met Sally. Well, the first time I met you guys was when you came to the music hall in Oshawa. Yeah. I booked on that show. And just when I met Sally, it was just literally like, holy fuck, this person has so much energy and just charisma. Even just offstage, just talking to her so casually, I'm like, wow. I wish I could have this much engagement <laughs> with people. And like Sally has always been that. And I've seen her just engage with everyone online and like do it, taking the front lines. Like I saw you guys did a, in some, an indie 88 Netflix party or something. Oh, like yeah. That. Like yeah. just not a lot of bands are doing that kind of thing. And it's just, it's just awesome to see, but I, I definitely agree with you. There is nothing better than that live face-to-face -face personal connection you, you can gain with someone. Mm -hmm. But it just, it also happens that you guys have such a great engagement online as well. You, you guys have found that balance and I'm very excited to see, especially with your management now. I'm very, very excited to see what you guys have coming up going forward. Thanks, yeah, right. I mean, me too. All right. Shout out to Dwayne Ye Yancey. Dwayne Yancey. Huge super fan, man. Huge super fan. This guy's on everything we do. Dwayne is like um, our biggest supporter. Thanks, Dwayne. Well, Dwayne, I appreciate you for taking the time to check out this, uh, this stream as well. I thank you for your time. Uh, so, Jordan, what's next for you guys in uh, time of quarantine? Is it writing? Is it sitting around playing video games? Like, what, what's going on? I mean, yeah, like, writing's going to be big. Like I said, I've been kind of working on this management stuff. We've been tying up a bunch of business loose ends that have sort of fallen by the wayside while we've been busy with other things. So we're trying to just line all of that stuff up so it's just, like, automated and running on its own and we don't have to worry about it. And then... Um, and then, yeah, just buckle down and start churning out some songs. You want to get back into the studio basically as soon as this is over. Mm -hmm. Once we've had some time to rehearse a little bit. But, um, yeah, I just really want to – I don't – just because we have an album in the bag doesn't mean we want to stop creating, you know? Because those songs already feel old, man. You know, like we recorded them in October. We played them on the tour, and it's like, all right – those songs Both are done. Fans. Like, I'm excited for other people to hear them, but, like, we have to keep it fresh. And I find, like, with writing, at least for me, if I'm not doing it all the time, I get really rusty. And I'm bad at kind of letting that slip. So I'll stop and I'll get really wrapped up in something else. Like, I just need to do this business shit for a bit. And then when I go back to write songs, I'm like, these are the worst fucking songs <laughs> I've ever, like, tried to write. And I need to go through, like, a week of writing terrible songs just to get back to, like, half-decent songs again. So staying in shape and just con like keeping that ball rolling is really important. So we're going to try to do that. All right. Awesome. So you mentioned this at the beginning that you don't like when people ask you what you're listening to, but I want you to name three acts that not, you're not listening or listening to, but three acts that, you know, people should check out whether that's live mm. or anything, just three acts that you guys played with. Maybe you did a show with on tour. 
Um, well, doing a show with on tour. I don't know if you guys know um, Lost Cousins out of Kingston. I think yes. they're based in Toronto now. Those guys are amazing. Like they are just like really great artists just making cool music that kind of stands on its own has a signature vibe that's specific to them and i think it's amazing and another band like that that i love right now is basement revolver from hamilton oh yes yeah. so a lot of good things about basement revolver they're just fantastic like their record um i want to say it's heavy eyes and i can tell you for sure right now what it is but um no, they're just like a fantastic act with like just really earnest songwriting. Like I just feel, yeah, heavy eyes. I just like feel the realness in what they're putting out. Yeah. And then if you want some super strange, weird shit, a band from my high school days that never gets enough love is Akron Family. They're Akron super, family. Yeah, they're super strange. They take, they're a little challenging, like they take a second, depending on what record you're listening to, is Akron slash Family. Some of the most creative music, yeah. just so cool. Would, would definitely recommend. Well, that's three picks right there from Jordan and Mono Wales. Jordan, where can people find the band? Where all that social media stuff? Everything at Mono Wales. MonoWales.com, everything else. Twitter's at MonoWales, Instagram's at MonoWales, Facebook.com slash MonoWales. Couldn't be easier. Couldn't be easier. Well, Jordan, time to wrap this up. I want to thank you for joining me today. This was an awesome chat. I had a lot of fun. I learned a lot from you. It's always good to learn new things, and I'm very excited to see what you guys have in the future. Guys, check out MonoWales. Uh, coming, coming up tomorrow, actually, we have a special uh, a chat with Matt, a little pop-up episode. I'll be joined by Luke of Cleopatra. I'm very excited to have a chat with him to see uh, what they have been going on with the New Rock Mafia movement and everything involving that. And then on Friday, we have Wayne Kennedy. Jordan, thank you again for joining me. I look thank you so much for having me, man. Show coming up. All right. Take care. Really appreciate folks. that, dude. Take care. All right. Bye-bye.